Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. Today is an episode where I get to have partners who are partners in life and partners at work. They work together as coaches that help other people in a relationship. And you guys know my episodes with partners are like, whoa, the most kind of like bomb dropping um, and powerful episodes. So I'm really excited. Today I have Ana del Castillo and Ken Blackman. They're both coaches doing what Ken said are, you know, different styles in their own way. And they're very both, they're, they're both very different people, but together it seems like they really complement each other in the way that they coach. And I'm excited to hear how they complement each other in their relationship and in their lives. Ken is a coach, speaker, educator, author. He's had over two decades of experience in helping people with intimacy, sex, and relationships. And Anna is a rightness expert and a certified coach. And she helps people own their passion and their rightness so that they can really feel vital and alive. And she was a guest teacher in my program Unapologetic this week and blew everybody's mind, pierced everyone's heart, and then blew my social media up because I shared a little bit about what I took away on my story. And Anna, people literally reached out and told me that they were inspired to speak their truth because of what I shared that you said on my story. So it was like, oh my God, there's something really powerful here. That legitimately just made me tear up. <laughs> just legitimately made me tear up. Oh, that's lovely. <sighs> yeah. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Is there anything that you guys would like to say about yourselves to introduce yourself? Oh, wow. Well, you did such a good intro of us. I've been teaching and coaching and studying really uh, relationships, intimacy, sex, communication, and just like the, the fundamentals of communication for 20 years, 20 plus years. And so when I heard um, what, what your focus is, I was super excited to be here. It feels like such a good match. You know, Ken and I are in our 50s and and we had our life sort of like, I don't know, we just have a really good life. And then we added a puppy and <laughs> <laughs> puppies and, and babies. <laughs> and then it's like, what do they say? It's like, don't don't act with like animals or, or children. <laughs> so my animals keep me very appropriately funnily, um, humorously, uh, humble. <laughs> so good. Well, I'm, I'm curious working together now that you guys are working together, helping others in their relationships. What, what is your focus or what is it that you have been seeing the most that, that, that people are challenged with that, that you help them on? Mm. Is there, <laughs> is there a way to answer that? What would you say, Anna? Like what, what do we, what kinds of things do we encounter? Yeah. Like what's your flavor? I will say that 
the broadest, you know, thing that we work on. And then of course, everybody's got their specific things um, that it drills down into, but the biggest overarching thing that we work on with people is people come together for all kinds of reasons. And what almost always gets lost is seeing the actual human being that you fell in love with rather than the person somewhere along the line in relationships they are one of them both of them gets upset because they were supposed to do something be a certain way act a certain way resolve a certain thing for them that is not theirs to resolve um, and they stop seeing the person completely and then they get mired in a storyline and that becomes a loop and that becomes the the way they treat each other, believe whatever about each other, and they're stuck in sort of relationship uh, mud. But they still love each other and they're together for whatever reason. And so we we literally drill it down and uncover all the muck so they can actually see two glorious, remarkable people that they met and why they fell in love and re get to know one another and actually have really great sex and really see each other and really love each other and really partner. So what would you add to that, Ken? I mean, just picking up on what you're saying, like when two people are drawn to each other and they connect, there's really two things happening. There's the real complex, quirky, unique two human beings, like two luminous beings behind the facade who connect. And there's something that draws them together. And then there's all of our ideas about how relationships are supposed to go that get evoked. And we have lots and lots of ideas about what's what's supposed to happen. And so, you know, um, you're right on most of the issues that we see are a conflict between the real reasons, the real thing that brought them together, the truth of, of the, the, the unique nature of their relationship, a conflict between that and all of the things they think are supposed to be happening, whether it's because you're because you're the man or because you're the woman, this is this is your role or your job in the relationship. Everything from that to this is what my body is supposed to be feeling during sex and it's not. Or this is how my body's supposed to be operating during sex. Or, you know, this is the fantasy that I had of all the things that would happen when I got together with someone. I finally like, here's all the stuff, all of my issues that I thought would be resolved by having a partner that aren't like all of these expectations <laughs> that have nothing to do with the real reason these two people are together. And what's interesting is as we get people back to the core of why they're actually together, they can start to craft a real relationship, a unique relationship that's actually better than the template or the fantasy or the fairy tale or the, you know, caricature that we've, that we've been carrying around. Like what really happens between two human beings, the truth of the profound profoundness of what it is to be connected with someone can so far surpass all of the kind of superficial fairy tale fantasies. If we can get people into that territory, all of a sudden their relationship is better than they ever thought possible. Like they're the right people. They're the right combination to have something fantastic. Yeah. What I'm hearing is kind of like Dante's Inferno relationship version. Like if you can't <laughs> get that together, then on the other side, what awaits for you is paradise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you how often people go, people are like, I never knew this about, like they've been together for like 20 years or 10 years or 15 years. And it's like, they're meeting them for the first time. 
you know, wow. again. Yeah. yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Anna, something that it just reminded me that you, you mentioned is, you know, I was telling you, I was telling you that I'm kind of in the inquiry of like, why do I want a relationship? Cause it's very clear to me that the reasons that were there, like, aren't real. And I probably don't even know. And no one maybe even knows until they're in it. Right. And you shared that for you, Ken shows you like, a bigger capacity of love that you can have for yourself, like even more love than you ever imagined for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had that conversation. Like for me, I was really clear at a certain point that I, I had been doing relationships for Cocta. And I was like, I'm, and then I, and then I really doubled down, tripled down on a relationship with myself. Like I, I hate saying it because it's so trite, but I genuinely was like, let me, let me get profoundly related to myself. And then it became this juicy relationship that I had just with myself. And I thought, well, I, yeah, no one is actually allowed to be in this relationship with me unless they could um, match or surpass what I already feel with me. And so if you can't do that, then I don't even want to bother. I'd gotten so good with just me that when he came along, it wasn't just a match or surpass. It was like, it sort of was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be met and loved. And to be fair, I also had to teach him how to you know, match and surpass. It's not like the fairy tale. It wasn't like, you know, and then we lived happily ever after. No, we're two full human beings with very different personalities. And so it was both of those things, but he does, he does teach me. And I would say vice versa too. I teach him as well, how to, how to be loved and take in more. Very, very true. I think my story is kind of similar in that I had reached a point where I wasn't actually looking to be with someone. I was actually happy by myself. I, what's interesting is I was single, but I was coaching couples and I, for whatever reason, like they were coming by referral. It wasn't like I was like, I put a shingle out saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm a relationship coach, even though I'm not with anybody. They were like, I just had couples coming to me, having their relationship be just completely transformed and then referring other people to me. Like people would come and say, wow, whatever you did to, to my friends over here, like, I want you to do that. To, so it was a kind of life's work that, that happened organically, but I wasn't personally looking to be with anybody. I was happy by myself. And I, I just presumed that there wasn't going to be anyone who, who could actually meet me where I am. And so everything Anna saying is true. Like on the one hand, like I've been a relationship coach for X number of years. And I'll tell you, if I had any ego involved in thinking that I know what I'm doing, I'm fucked. You know, I, I had to go back to, okay, who, who is this per Like I went back to beginner to say, okay, what's, what's true in this relationship? What's true about this woman? What's true about me? And I'm discovering a, about myself in this relationship. And so it is so far beyond what I thought, you know, what, what I thought would be, I could do it for other people, people, but I wasn't expecting it for myself. And I was not unhappy in that place. I was like, I actually am very happy with my life. So she showed up in a way of meeting me in a way that I wasn't expecting and was completely blown away. Wow. That's a really perfect segue because I think it'd be really powerful to hear how you guys met. I mean, the there's there's all kinds of, I, I won't go into the the whole shlemiel, but I... um. I think I've mentioned certainly in, in my own social media and stuff, like I have a fairly large story in life and there's been lots of large scale events. Anyway, I have a particular expertise in 
crisis to confidence, that whole way to bring people's um, shattered places back to being whole. And I wanted to uh, give what it was that I had away. I really was like, I've had it for years. Like, how do I, how do I translate this? And so I thought, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start doing a series of conversations with people who are experts and just do like all different areas of people's lives. And Ken was the first person I reached out to. I was like, let's just talk about sex and let's talk about relationships. I really wanted to talk about sex. And I reached out to Ken. I knew about Ken because we, you know, we like, you know, worked and talked and did you know, overlapped in the same circles and um, reached out to him. And we had like a sort of meet Zoom conversation. He was in in Las Vegas at the time and I was in San Francisco and we we hit it off and it was more like hmm, the both of us liked each other. And then we did yeah, it was a... like a, a subtle flirtation the whole time we were we were recording a, a potential podcast, but it was not a podcast. It was a date. And um, uh -huh. that that podcast never actually saw the light of day. First of all, we didn't even talk about sex. We just talked about life. And um, and then I was like, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to do a live. I'm just going to do live conversations with a bunch of people. And so he was the first one. And that that lives on. That was just full out flirtation. And I spoke to him afterwards. And then pretty much I was clear he was approached by a lot of women. He has a particular body of work and you know he's got whatever. And people were like, Ken. So I was like, I know I'm going to have to, I just instinctually knew that I was going to have to sort of differentiate myself a little bit. And I wasn't just interested in the Ken Blackman and in all caps with, you know, lights on him. I was interested in Ken as the man. And so I sort of got in there. I knew how to benevolently violate the boundary that he had. <laughs> got in there. We talked. He liked me. I liked him. We would date because at that point, at that point, it was COVID. We and were distance dating. We were in different cities. And so we would have Zoom dates. And then the world fell apart. And I, I think I've mentioned this. He was the most solid thing in my life while literally the job that I had, the house that I had, the the friends that I like, literally everything fell away completely. The world was in massive transition. And I'm someone who's usually the most grounded person in the room or in any place that I'm in. And, and all of a sudden I had no ground underneath my feet. And I really... Um, had to rework my ideas of what faith and God and and everything. I held on to him for dear life. And he was like, we don't know each other well enough for you to do that. And I was like, I'm normally not like this. I'm usually very calm. And I kept saying that, but I was not calm. And he was like, we're not doing this and goodbye. And then I had nothing and I had nothing. And then I just sort of free fall, you know, it was good. I like had to really have a lot of come to Jesus conversations with myself and I got more grounded and, Ken, do you want to say the rest? <laughs> I love, I actually, this brings me to a question I wanted to ask Ken about saving and wanting to save your partner. And I'm just curious, like what that was like for you and how you came to that place of like not wanting to be Prince Charming and, and save. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in order to talk about that, you kind of have to go back to the time when I wanted to be saved myself, like in my early 20s and and how I needed to learn how to kind of have my own my own stability and not try and like get stability from from the world or from other people and just kind of build who who I wanted to be and who myself was right and so because I've been in the relationship space and because I help people a lot as a as a coach just in general like I've had to create boundaries where 
it's it's easy for people who are friends with me to want to kind of muddy the waters between friendship and holding or friendship and 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 coaching or friendship and advice or friendship and and saving and so you have to understand i i had i had had enough experiences with women um who wanted to take but didn't really have much to offer so many times that I had basically put the word out that no, I'm not actually looking to be with anyone. Like, please don't, don't, don't hit on me. Don't like approach me. Like I'm not, I, I'm actually not interested and I'm not available. So I could feel that from the beginning that Anna was different, that there was someone in there that I genuinely wanted to connect with. And so I felt deeply conflicted because on the one hand, I could feel the potential of what there could be with this particular woman that I wasn't really feeling with anyone else. And on the other hand, there was this kind of triggering of a thing that I was accustomed to that I was so adamantly had made a rule for myself that I wasn't going to do that I had to draw a line and say, no, our relationship is not going in that direction. Like this is this is what what I would need. Like, here's my boundaries. Here's what I would need. We ended up like just creating kind of a kind of a structured, well-defined container in which to interact that actually helped Anna kind of relax. And inside this container, her nervous system was for the first time able to relax. And because of that, the part of her that I was so drawn to and so so attracted to and so like the person that I could feel was in there had an opportunity to start to come out. And from that place, we were actually able to start to, to connect with each other in this deep way. And it was, I would say it was very quick that we were able to then move into something, you know, beyond beyond the container and something that was truly built on just our our, our true connection. You know, I'm someone who who teaches rightness and what I lost and what I was floundering with was I in my life at that time, everything seemed wrong and I couldn't be with I, normally what what I do and who I am and what I teach other people is like a profound ability to be with life on life's terms it's just to make everything right. And then making everything like getting right, getting deeply in your own system and okay, not like acquiescent and and um, surrendered like you're a doormat. I mean surrendered so that you could actually have agency and 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 choice. And I just I it, it things were being stripped so much that I just was like like a sloth falling from the tree, trying to hold onto its own limb, you know. Um, so that when he he said goodbye. There was no other place to go except for all the way down. And I did. And I got, I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to get okay and be in acceptance with life on life's terms. And, and when that happened and when he was like, we're going to do this container, which was not something I just was like, whatever happens, I'm literally just going to be a yes to, and somehow find space to be bigger and house it and then and then move forward and really really quickly once that happened within two weeks we were back to like I mean I'm not kidding two weeks it was like oh wow we're in love with each other you know and then two months it was literally like I can't stop thinking about 
spending the rest of my life with you, would you marry me? And that was not something anybody could have predicted. Wow, as I'm hearing you speak, I just got this image of you kind of like falling and falling and Ken could have been your floor, but instead you found your own floor and he was there with you standing on your floor. And that almost like, it just makes me think like, it's kind of like a break of a trauma response or like, you know, so, like so often we, we want to stand on others. And like, as someone who identified as a commitment phobe, like whenever I would see, you know, whenever I felt like the man I was dating didn't have his floor, I would start freaking out. Cause I'd feel like, oh no, now, now I have nowhere to breathe. Like now you're, you know, now I'm your floor and that doesn't feel good. Yeah. And also we have, so we have contempt for the, the trap, the trap of having someone save us is when they don't, first of all, we feel contempt for them and we hate them because they saved us. And then we also hate them and feel contempt when they don't, when they, when for some reason they're human and they don't have it to save us. Like there's no winning. And also we're weak and we're broken if we have to be saved. So it's a well grooved uh, storyline that we've been bought that we've been sold and we buy but um it's a lose-lose model no one wins outside of that and then it just really impacts sex life right because that's at least kind of like the my sex life okay you know you know what's funny is that what we act we've sort of been flirting and and talking around sex and stuff like that but i think that we talk a lot about relationships and what makes relationships great and what we would, what he and I, I think would really love to talk about. I don't mean here, I mean, in general is how to have really great sex ongoing, like not just in the beginning, but like in long-term relationships. And the reason why we keep going back to relationships is because the whole of a relationship is your sex life. It's not just what happens in bed. It's like literally the whole relationship is flirtation. The whole relationship is foreplay. And if the relationship isn't working, the sex is just, you know, you're not flirting and, and, and playing around outside, then what's going on in the bedroom just doesn't work. So we end up talking about relationships more than we ever end up talking about sex. And we have a lot to say about sex. <laughs> and you guys talking about what you just said, it's it's like, I, I, I what I'm hearing is a way to come back to turn on, like notice where you're saving each other and resenting each other for that, right? Like, like people talk about, most people talk about the sex as like, if the spark is gone, it's gone. I'm sure you guys have a ton to say about how to relight, relight that spark. I do, Anna, do you? Great. No, I want to hear what you have to say. Of course I do. Okay. <laughs> so I think there's this idea that, you know, there you need a certain, you need variety and that if you're with the same person, it's going to go downhill. Like the best sex you're going to have in the relationship is early on in the relationship. And then it ends up being the same old, same old. And it's like, it's, there's like, it's, you're fighting the whole time, this sort of, seemingly inevitable downhill slope and that's not actually how i think it works the way i think of it is let's say a couple times a week you and your partner decide to cook dinner together you're going to cook dinner together and you're going to enjoy a good meal together and let's say you do that like you're not even thinking like it's not a big deal it's like okay you know but over time little by little you get to know each other's like Here's what you like to eat. Here's what I like to eat. Here's like the overlap. 
We're going to make this dish because it's something you like. I won't, I'm not going to eat that much of it. Oh, let's try Indian cuisine. I, you know, like, I don't know a lot about it. Oh, this is a delicious meal. But if you do it regularly, gradually, slowly, without a lot of effort over time, you start to become really good cooks. You know, like you figure out your flow in the kitchen. This person's a really great sous chef when we do this. Like I'm the one who's good at steak. This person's good at at like roasting the asparagus and you get more, a little bit more sophisticated. You you figure out, you know, we really need this piece of, of equipment. It would make such a big, you know, but over time you get to like, you know, the, the cliche of your grandmother just cooks superb, like better than you can find in the restaurant, the best meals. Well, how did she get that way? It was just from like having it be a thing that you do on a regular basis that you take seriously. And I think if you approach your sex life that way, like we're going to explore, we're going to see what we like. We're, we're not going to judge what's supposed to happen. We're just going to be open and ex exploratory. Some, you know, some things we're going to love, some things we're not going to love. You know, you have a fantastic meal or you have a fantastic like breakthrough moment in the bedroom and then the next the next sex or the next meal you have is going to be judged against that that pinnacle so no you can't do that you have to like this is this is a different day it's a different meal so over time your dinners become better than what you could get in a restaurant you know what i mean like your meals you you've got flow and it's just like people could come over and you could cook dinner for them and it would be stellar. But mostly it's like really attuned to what each of you like, what each of you are good at, you know, like you don't like keep pushing someone to, to get good at something that they're not, but maybe both of you like mushrooms, cream, cream of mushroom, you know, chicken or something. And neither of you knows how to cook it. So one of you says, okay, I'll figure out how to, how to cook that. You know what I mean? Like that approach can have your sex life get better better and better, like better 10 years from now than it was five years ago, better five years from now than it was a year ago, you know? So that's, that's, what's actually true. Yeah. Yes. But I want to add, so, so, but there's like, there's a couple of things that need to be in place before that happens, which I believe, and I know that Ken does, which is a women for the most part, and I and I know your audience probably already knows this, but it bears repeating anyway, women for the most part are uh, conditioned and trained to have our sex be for others. We are objects rather than actual, like the, the sexual center <laughs> and point. Which like, at least for me, it's put me in defense too of like, it's like, I, there's already this program of you're going to want something out of me and this is like to give to you. It's already a defense that's in the room. Yeah, yeah. And so and so women, yeah, so women have let me, so women have that and then men are conditioned. Let me say it because it'll be better coming from a man. Men are spoiled and entitled in the bedroom. <laughs> and out of the bedroom. <laughs> and out of the bedroom. Yeah, we are. And so there's a certain level of expectation that that both sides, like both both of us have kind of bought into in terms of what society has told us. Like sex is supposed to be, as the man, sex is supposed to be enjoyable for me. And it's actually, if you're my partner, it's your job to make the sex pleasurable for me. It is, it is much more uncommon for a guy to say, oh no, the sex is actually for you. And my job is to actually make it pleasurable for you. And so 
for example, in, in, in my relationship with Anna, one of the things I said, one of the things I said was, we are only ever going to do things that feel good to your body, feel good to your pussy. Like if at any time something doesn't feel good, we stop. I don't care where we're at in the cycle. I don't care if I'm five, like 10 strokes away from going over the edge. If it feel, if it doesn't feel good to you, we stop and we do something different. So I want your body and your pussy to only experience good things. And let's see what kind of sex life arises from you only having like knowing that that you can ask for anything that you want, you can speak up. And even then, like it's so hard for a woman to speak up, even when that's been laid out, like it's still incredibly difficult to to say, hey, can you do this thing differently? Or hey, like this isn't, you know, like it's so deeply conditioned. Or even say what you said in return of like, we will only do things that feel good to me. You know, like even like having that as a boundary, like I remember a time when I thought that was bitchy, when I thought that was mean, when I thought that was, you know, like too much. Yeah. And doing that ongoing. That's the drub. Mm. It is a different form of selfishness on my part, because that's the only way to get into the territory of sex that that I want to be having is like I, the only kind of sex that, that is enjoyable and sex where she's actually not, you know, not doing something for me, but genuinely enjoying, like at a bodily visceral somatic, somatic pleasure. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it gives really great dividends. If you take from that bank, if you end up taking from that bank, I'm going to take it because it feels good and I don't care or like it's no big deal. The withdrawal from that, from that, like the penalties from that withdrawal, like if a man takes and takes and takes and takes from that bank, the penalties are pretty high. Woman just stops eventually feeling like she wants to. Um, and especially if she's been lying to herself, like if she's been like, this feels great because it feels great to be wanted. Oh my gosh, to be desired so passionately. It's like, I get to go on that ride. It's so much fun. But after that is done, you're just left with someone who's taking and, and you might not be in the mood or that sort of high has, you know, gone away. And then you're like, it doesn't work for me anymore. And now I've sold you on this idea of myself as someone who's like this, when really now I don't know actually how to slow things down and tell you that's not who I am. Who I am is this. And what I need is that it's like a, it's a game <laughs> that is played so automatically and women just fundamentally don't men and women, but women really, really, really don't know the water that we are swimming in. And then to be able to speak up for ourselves and then to be able to speak up for ourselves ongoing is like, yeah, that ongoing piece. Like I already said it, like, do I really have to say it again? Yeah. Again, because the next five minutes is new. There's stuff I, I have to hear more than once, you know? And like, he'll know a lot. Like he's someone who's very intuitive in bed. And there are times when I'm like, Oh God, I actually have to, it's, and it, you think that I'm with someone who's like, quote, an expert and who has so much intuitive knowledge that I, I literally don't have to talk very much or, or to, and there's still where I'm like, I want something completely different. Like, and that's when I could either make him, in, uh, turn him into an idiot and start the contempt cycle or, uh, you know, by not speaking up, or I can, I can, uh, oh God, I'm just nauseating to speak up for myself here. Okay. I'm going to speak up for myself because if not, Everybody loses.
Yeah, I love that you mentioned the nausea eating part because that's not a sign that you shouldn't speak of, right? It's just, it's just what's, it's just what's there, and it's just kind of like, okay, that's what I'm feeling, and I'm gonna do it anyway. Yes, yeah. indeed. Ken, I'd love to hear from you, uh, your journey, uh, like that's similar to that, because I know for you also, it was like you know, you you started learning about the the sex world and relationships, and then you're having all this sex, and then you're like well, this isn't really what's fulfilling me. So I'd love to hear like for you, when was that moment of realizing if, if it's the case of like, oh, wow, actually make like what, what was fulfilling. And also if you had the experience of making the woman happy is really, is really fulfilling, not just like getting the sex, getting the woman, you know, getting, getting in bed. I mean, there's so much in there. I, it's, it's hard to pick the, pick the, the, the moments um, I'll say that in my teens and 20s, I was shy, needy, codependent, unskilled in the bedroom. <laughs> and I was also like not attract, like I wasn't an attractive guy. I wasn't like, I wasn't charming. I wasn't outgoing. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't wealthy. I was, I'm five foot zero. I'm five feet tall. Okay. Um, I didn't consider myself particularly handsome at the time. So I had all these things, all these negative things. And I just thought, you know, my chances with women are are hopeless. And even when a woman would be interested in me, I was so locked in my own unattractiveness that I would be pushing her away without even realizing that I was doing it. And then if she managed to penetrate, then, you know, like I was thrilled I was happy you know we were having sex I don't know if she was having a good time but I certainly was like I had I was clueless do you know what I'm saying like I was clueless well you did know where the clitoris was so you I did, did know have where that. the clitoris was yeah, that's true that, you did have um, that going for you yeah that's true but then she would get tired of me and I wouldn't I wouldn't know why she picked me I wouldn't know why all of a sudden we're having this wonderful time together I wouldn't understand why she got tired of me what changed and why she's breaking up. like I was just clueless through the whole process right so I got introduced to a sex commune I moved into the sex commune what was true about everyone in the sex commune was they were there to explore what it means to have great sex like gourmet sex like you know not not sparks flying, toe curling, hair on fire, but like what it really means to have delicious, sensual, gourmet, like um, French laundry style sex. And so I had an opportunity to have um, a lot of sensual experiences and to get like informal and formal train, you know, quote unquote training. Um, and all of my beliefs about myself kind of started to get dismantled. All of my beliefs about what makes good sex got dismantled. Certainly all my beliefs where what a person looks like, that that has anything to do with whether the sex is going to be good. Like I had an opportunity to see that I could have very mediocre sex with someone who was gorgeous and I could have fantastic, fantastic, sensual, connected, intimate experiences with someone who you know, didn't look like there was it was there wasn't a reverse correlation. There was no correlation. So I started to be able to slowly, gradually feel something in another human being that had nothing to do with the packaging, but had to do with who they are as a person that I started to be able to dial into and what became for me more the basis of what connection is and the importance of connection in what makes sex be sex be good and 
So like everything got rewritten for, for me. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but so that lasted about eight or nine years. Then I became a teacher and helped create a whole new community, uh, a whole new, you know, like, yeah, a whole new community. We taught classes and it was around that time that I became like more of a teacher and less of someone who was actually like, I just felt full, if that makes sense. I felt saturated. I, I felt like somehow there came a moment when I felt like all my needs had gotten met. Like I wasn't, I was no longer hungry. I was never going to be starving again. I could, if I, if I needed to, if I wanted to, I could walk into a grocery store, start up a conversation with the, 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 the lady who bags groceries and I had the, the capacity to create a, a, a good relationship, you know, and, and a good sex life if that's what I wanted. So there wasn't, I was no longer in starving mode. I was no longer in hunger mode. And I was helping other people have what I had gotten. I was helping other people discover how to have good connection, how to have good relationships, how to have good intimacy, how to have good sex. Um, I guess a combination of burnout and just like, you know, at some point I, I didn't, um, I just lost, I just lost interest. And also like, just feeling like there was such a chasm between me and, and the people around me that it, there wasn't much reason to. Yeah. Sexually yeah. speaking. Like the thing is, is that when you start to have, when you start to really know what it is to have, it's like a palate. Like when you know what really, really great food is and your palate is attuned to that, then then when you have food that's not great for you or your body, you just don't actually want to give your body that anymore. And I think that that's what happened for you, Ken, where you were just like, I'm, I'm accustomed to a certain, certain connection and a certain quality to sex. And I'm not the starving or the, the hunger that I had to, to, to drive me to have trained and to do and et cetera, et cetera. It's just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I fundamentally felt satiated. And it was really actually good for me to just take time away from, from connection, 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 and just like become like, get more connected with myself. Like Anna was talking about this too, but like there was a period of five or six years where I just wasn't, I wasn't having a, like the, the contrast from that to what I had been doing before, which was 24 seven intense connection, <laughs> intimacy, like. People. deep dive a daily deep dive into the the depths of what we're doing and like like milestones of of new experiences that we've never had before and profile like from that to just quiet self-reflective you know doing my thing that was necessary all it's kind of like all my whole life was as I look back on it everything I've done in my life was preparation for for this relationship that I'm in with Anna Wow. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I don't know if I answered your question, but you did. Yeah. You know, I'm hearing a lot of things. One of them being that you, if you want to get good at connection, connect, like I just hear, it's not just about the next person you're dating, but also just about all of your connections and how that's developing, like who you are with another. And then also your connection to yourself is what you're saying, you know, is like getting to that place where you're not starving and you're not looking from another for what you, you can get from yourself. And, and, or like, Anna, you said this on our call, you know, not dating someone for what they didn't give you, 
Yeah. For, to fulfill. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. You're someone, you're someone who will fill the bill uh, of the deficit of what I didn't get when I was, you know, 10 years old, which people can do that. You know, it's like, certainly, but if, <laughs> if you're trying to, if you're trying to fill up the gap in the hole, then, and that's really their job, then uh, people are people. Right. I mean, I want to talk to you guys about something that I'm going through and, and hear how you guys help, um, couples through disappointment, because for me, it's like, I was a very sensitive child. Whenever I'd get disappointed, it would be like, wow, so much emotion. And then little tonight decided that's too much and people don't care. So I'm going to close my heart. And even, even today I was talking to a friend who canceled plans on me for like, you know, the 10th time. And I was, and I said, no problem. And then I was like that, I could just feel my heart shrivel. And then I was like, no, tonight, I don't want to answer like that. And so I actually opened up and I was like, actually, my heart is like, I, I feel heartbroken. It hurts so much. I would have loved to see you. I'm having the, the thought that I don't want to make plans with you because this hurts and I'm disappointed. And, and then I noticed a tendency, you know, of old tonight of wanting to be like, okay, I don't want to experience this, like close up, walk away. I'm right. They're wrong. <laughs> so what 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 do you guys see is is the path to like come back to connection and and keeping that heart open but also at the same time like making sure that that you do express your feelings and that you do um you know go there yeah i gosh i don't know all the details but do you mind if i take this first yeah absolutely first i just want to say gosh the the storyline that we're told that like i was too sensitive as a child bullshit bullshit that is such a through the lens of who through the lens of what you are fundamentally perfectly you your sensitivity like what are you supposed to be less said like that's the solution is to be less sensitive in the world no that is not the solution the solution is to actually be deeply respectfully in connection and listening to the part of you that's like hey I would like someone, I don't know what your system is telling you, but it's telling you something. I want to be so important to someone that they can't wait to see me, that they move hell or high water once is fine, but that you, you do every, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not second or third choice. I'm first choice. And so your disappointment is a map. It tells you the truth of what it is that you want and need. That doesn't mean you have to kill that person. Doesn't mean that you have to just like not see them as a human, but it certainly does say that you actually have to listen to the part of you that needs this. Like there's a spot that it needs to be on and anything short of that is not it. It's the opposite of the story of like, stop making a big deal or like lower your expectations. Like the expectations story is so dangerous in that way that it can be, that at least I took it in in this way yeah i would say the exact opposite and i'm not saying in a, like what 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 is the narcissistic version is i am the queen in my own mind and if you don't see me as that then i'm going to like that is the not like everyone has to no i see myself as being like it, my body my sense of self like i the my disappointment tells me what what i need but doesn't dictate that the person who doesn't want to give it to me gives it to me. I mean, so you're not the person. I actually need to find the person who's going to treat me at the same place that I treat myself. 
like little Anna is like, oh, that hurt my feelings. And if that happens ongoing, oh, you actually don't know how to treat me. You That might be fine for other people, but it's not okay for me. We could be friends. We can be over there. I know how to be with you, but no, 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 no. This part over here requires something else. That's a stand for me, but I'm not inside of it. Like, gosh, there's something wrong with me because I'm too sensitive. What's wrong with me? Fuck that shit. <laughs> Ken, what do you want to say about it? There's something else that I want to point out about how what what what's kind of embedded in what Anna's talking about that I want to kind of pull out, which is it can feel like our choices are either we pretzel ourselves to fit what's being on offer, like we like, oh, I'm going to make compromise after compromise. Like I I this this doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to stay, you know, or either that or we attempt to control the situation either through anger or through forcing or through, you know, some kind of like forceful thing to get the thing to happen. That's not happening. It's sometimes it feels like those are our only choices and something Anna is fantastically good at. And that I'm learning from her is she can be deeply upset with me and she she's in connection with me in the way that she talks about it. So one of the things that she was embodying and how like how she would express it, it's like you can you can say all these things, but in a way that energetically you are you are in connection with the other person. So you're saying the 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 uncomfortable things, you're saying the 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 harsh things, you're letting them feel your your emotions. Disappointment even. But but pretzeling yourself and contorting yourself and throwing yourself under the bus and also the the opposite of that forcing are both forms of disconnection in my opinion like you're no longer connected to the other human being so you can actually be connected with the other person the whole the whole step of the way even to the point where you realize oh we have talked enough that i know you understand what i'm saying and that you're a no to it I, I am in connection with myself enough to know that this is a hard, you know, a hard bound for, boundary for me and something that I need more like, like I'm willing to walk away from. You can like stay in connection all the way to that place. And actually, now that I think about it, that was something that I really was important to me to do with Anna when, when we were like hitting our, the worst of our, of our boundaries was I felt like I, I couldn't walk away until we got to a place where I felt like I had communicated to her what what the discomfort what 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 was bothering me, like what it was that I was so so adamant about, so that she could see what was what was bothered what it was that I I was putting a, a trying to put a boundary around. Like I couldn't just yell at her or walk away until until like I tried to do the whole thing in connection. And even when I was like, even when she said is there any way that you can reopen your heart? And I said, I I don't know of a way for me, like given where we've gotten to, I don't think there is, I can't think of a way to open, to, to a, a path forward for us, to, for me to open my, even there, I was like, the conversation we were having was a conversation in connection. And then beyond that, I was like, okay, here's a path forward. I don't know if either one of us is going to be okay with it, but this is a path forward. So it's like, 
you can do the whole thing in connection, even dis disappointment. You can do anger. You can do. Can I say this? Can I say this just a little bit, not elegantly, but can I say it a little bit differently? Um, yeah. Sometimes connection. I don't know if people will understand. Like people have a lot of ideas about what connection is. I said this in our call with the within the group. How I communicate my upset with someone is. I don't lose sight of their humanity. What most of us do is when we're upset with someone is we vilify the person, they're doing something to me or there's something wrong with me. Someone's gotta be vilified. Someone's gotta be made wrong. And then what Ken was talking about is that if we pretzel ourselves there's something wrong with me, but I still have to communicate and I don't, I, it's like we just fuck ourselves up. Or the other way, which is, you know what? You did this to me and all of a sudden they're not a human my high regard for, I protect my high regard for the person by 51% at minimum. So I could still be upset, but I don't say, I don't on some level lose sight of the person. They're not the devil. I go, this is a person who cares about me. They might not be caring about me in the way that I need to, or that I want to, or that feels good, but they're a person who cares about me and they just might not be doing it in a way that works. They're not the devil. And so Having that, like holding on to that and still communicating, hey, this thing that you did, it's been 10 times that you have like broken plans with me. And and I even say it, there's a part of me that really wants to vilify you. I really want to turn you into the devil. And the fact of the matter is, is that I just, boy, I really want to be special to someone. And this just, this, this, I want to be number one. I just hold on to someone's high regard, which has me hold on to my own high regard. And then I communicate from there. Yeah. I'm also hearing a lot of what you talked about, like helping the other win. Like, I want to help you win at being in relation to me. That's exactly it. Did that, did that answer the, the thing that you were, you questioned, you had a question about? Yeah, I think so. Let me think if there's anything else there. Um, I, th I think so. It's just, you know, I think at least in my case, what I see is like, you know, sharing the impact, sharing what's there, sharing the needs. And then like knowing that I gotta, I gotta kind of put myself in there again. And if enough times it happens, then I can say, okay, tonight, like this has happened enough times and you've given this, you know, a couple chances, but at least like I, I come from, from like being someone who decided like no one's gonna hurt me and I'm gonna know exactly yeah, how to me too. hurting me. Me too. Yeah. So it's like so it's being more open to to the hurt in relationship, right? It's just yeah. Yeah. I don't do ten chances. It's always a risk. I don't do ten. It is. I don't do ten. If I've if I've communicated it, especially if, if it's small things like throwing out the garbage, no big deal, right? But if it's like larger scale things, I don't do ten. My, my, I, I, as I've said before, it's like my love for me comes first. And so if you can't actually love me well, and I continue giving you chances to hurt me, then that's not me loving me well. Something else that I wanted to talk to you guys about is, you know, this is a big one. So I, I kind of want to give you guys the freedom to take it wherever you want to go about going from contempt to respect or like going from contempt to seeing the humanity. Um, maybe you guys can share personal examples and then we don't have a relationship where we, we do much of that. I have done, I have with him one time. I remember specifically, um, and you might remember differently. You might be like every once in a while, I'll be like, 
oh, I have a little bit of content. Like there's a little bit of edge that will sneak in and I'll be like, huh, but it's so subtle and I'll catch it. Or sometimes with him, like we catch it on very subtle places. He calls herself out when she has those feelings. She doesn't like. No, I'm very ruthless about protect. I, I, Maybe like clients. Like how do you guys help clients with that? I mean, we call it out. <laughs> I mean, flat out. Like I, I, we, <laughs> that's, that's the thing that like relationships, re, re, there's, there's a way that relationships nowadays, modern day relationships are such that you slide into easy contempt with one another and you call that love. And then people who are strangers, you treat better, you treat the waiter better than you treat your own you know, partner. And I'm, we address that pretty much at the root. Like we literally shift the whole entire way people communicate with one another. You can continue communicating like that for the rest of your life, but you're just not going to get into the territory of real delicious, juicy connection. And like, you can't, you actually can't poison the body of the relationship and expect health. And contempt is one of those things that will just be like a cancer in the body that will meta metastasize over time. And just like, it's just aggression. It's aggressiveness, do you know? Which some aggression, especially it can be really sexy and turn on, but when it's got the color of like disrespect and contempt and I find you're a fucking idiot quietly, but I'm gonna be nice on top of it is just particularly cancerous to a relationship. So, <laughs> I mean, like we just like address it deeply, you know? A lot of times what happens on, on coaching calls is I'm doing a lot of translating. So for example, you know, like they have, I don't know, 170, I think there's 172 hours or something like that. And I forget how many hours there are in a week. And I get one of those hours out of their whole week. So I'm kind of parachuting into this life that's been going on. And so I parachute in and I take a look and see what's ha what's happening. So I will ask, I can't really advise anybody until I've asked them so many questions that I see the world through their eyes. And I unwaveringly hold their rightness. So by the time we're done talking, not only do I see, do I see how they see the world and what they're experiencing, but the rightness of it. And then I talk to the other person and I get into their head and I see the world through their eyes. But that process of me doing that has them see each other in the way that they haven't been seeing each other. Like by the time we're done, th this person over here has restored their capacity to see this person and where they're at and 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 the rightness of of what they're what they're doing. So now they're able to actually look at each other. Now we there's still, let's say, for example, there's still some huge disagreement, right? They haven't resolved the issue, but the way they see each other has been has been shifted. And so now they can actually have the conversation to say, how are we as a couple gonna gonna get into the territory both of us want? Like how they're like it's 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 that place where you lose your capacity to see your partner. And so week after week after week, they see, if they can't see each other they, that way, they can see me like getting to the place where I see the, this person's humanity. Like you will not see a demon over there on my watch. Do you know what I mean? Like you will not see the devil and the, the cause of all the problems in this relationship over there under my watch. You're going to see 
to you're going to see a human being over there who's trying just as hard as you, who ha who fundamentally has good intentions, who has their way of seeing the world, and who who want like they're there, they have skin in the game, they want a good relationship. Now we can actually now you guys can actually have a conversation about what you know how do we get from here to the relationship we want to have and that again and again and again and pretty soon they start doing that with each other like every time they catch where they're about to throw their partner under the bus even in their own mind like they just start to have that contemptuous accusatory voice in their head about the other person they catch it and i'm like 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 if if you descend into contempt for your partner that's on you if you drop below 50, like if you, if you lose your, your, the esteem that you have for the other person, that's on you. You can be angry. You can be resentful. You can get your feelings hurt, but you have to see the other human being over there. And, and the way I, ha I teach them how to do that is to, to, to model it week after week after week, then they get good at it. There's something else I want to say about that, that, that the, they, people come in to, to the sessions, very fixed with a fixed idea of one another and a lot of assumptions. People have come in for like with marriages that are like 20 years old and think that they will be a person. And then we are to have conversations. And because we're not coming from a point of view of you're an idiot, you're a fucking like you're, you don't care. And you like, we literally we're like, I get that that's how you think, but we are like just questioning because we're actually coming from a point of view of genuine curiosity. And like, th there's a brand new person that starts to emerge from from a point of view that's not, you're a fucking idiot. I'm I'm talking to you tonight, like with contempt. I don't even have to say anything. You start to defend against that contempt. Like an energy that I'm, that, yeah, energy. energetically gonna push back, yeah. And if Ken is talking to you differently, you're going to emerge differently. And I'm gonna think that it's you, even though I'm the one who's co-creating that experience. Yeah, yeah, it very much sounds like could be it very much sounds like resonant to the disappointment conversation too like like when you're disappointed you might see the person as wanting to do wrong to you or not caring or not this or that but then it's like coming back to seeing the humanity and coming back to you're interacting with your perspective of them or you're interacting with your projections or and there might be a truth like 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 if the disappointment conversation it's like they might be like i just don't i don't i want to fly by the seat of my it's like i care about you and i just want to have the freedom to do whatever do you know and over here you go i get it you're right i i, I wish you well and boy i want to be paris to someone mm -hmm. yeah they both can exist they can both mm -hmm. exist um all right i got one more question for you guys Anna, you said something about, I actually wrote it down. I loved it. It was like, there's no happy, there's no happiness if you're sacrificing yourself. Oh my God. How can you, how can you, people think, people think, yeah, I, I don't know how else to say. It. I feel like that's a complete thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go on to it. I was like, is there, well, what is there is to there say? A is there a question? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. EK. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, people, you know, I, I don't know that many people that are skilled at talking about uncomfortable conversation, like uncomfortable needs that might feel like, you know, the other person's going to have to sacrifice or you don't want to sacrifice. Um, and you mentioned an, an experience in your relationship about you wanting to travel where it was like you were willing to, you know, say the thing that, that 
honored your needs, right? And it- yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a whole there's a whole thing. I'm going to say first this part, and then I'm going to go into the second part. So so if I have a a need and it and he has a want, um, that is me taking care of myself. That's self care. If I have a want and he has a need, and I'm like fuck you, my want is oh supersedes your need. Then that's self that's selfishness. Okay. Let's just like first just like set the tone. What if he both what then then you have to figure out because a lot of times women don't even understand where it's like, well, I don't know what my want is. I don't know. Like we're we're so not in our own bodies and our own systems that we don't even know what want and need is. So that's homework for all women to do. Um, and a man's want, we think, is a need, like we're just completely confused around both of those things. Ken and I have the kind of relationship that if I go lately, I've just been having this, like, it's an ongoing, like yearning need. It wasn't just like a, a light desire. It was this, like, I just want to travel. I just don't want to be like, it, there was this thing where I just don't, it had nothing to do with him. It had nothing. I just was like, I just want to be out on the road and not have cats, or I just don't want to be in this. I just want myself. I miss me. They miss me deeply because in and out of the bedroom, he understands that he, I'm not mommy. I'm not the housekeeper. I'm not all the ways that women are supposed to be for men. I'm not the, 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 the whore, the mama, the Madonna. I'm not any of those things. I am a woman. He's like, I hear you. And if you need to do that, that is what our marriage will look like. And I will miss you. And we will figure out ways to stay connected while you are on the road. I want to add to that also that both of us, I've never been married. Anna was in, was married for 10 years and it wasn't pretty. Uh, but both of us, because most people, you know, like we have more negative associations about what it means to be married than positive. And so my, my uh, vow, my commitment was that we were going to co-create what it means to be a couple. We were going to co-create from the ground up without presumptions. If it's something I think it should be and she doesn't, like it's only what we both agree to. It's only what we both, like we're going to create, we're going to co-create this this marriage and this partnership, this life partnership from the ground up. And so it was coming from that place like, Okay, if 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 what's calling to you is to travel, that is what our that is what our marriage is going to look like. Like I don't have some rule like I I'm not going to pick up some rule that says because we're married or because you're my my wife or because you're my girlfriend, because you're my partner, this is what you're supposed to be doing and you're failing like I like adamant about no entitlement on my side and I'm also adamant about no entitlement on her side. Like there's a difference between her expressing a desire or a need and her and her saying like there there have been moments when she was like there was this feeling like this is what I'm supposed to be doing because it's my job to do it and I'm like no there's no I I I am I have a immune response to entitlement and so we're going to we're going to figure it out together like what we both agree on what we both want it to be is what it's going to be and so it was from that place that I was coming from when I was like, okay, that's what it, that's what it'll look like. I mean, I sort of feel like when we have these conversations, I can hear both things. I can hear where you and I live and what we do, and I can almost hear the rest of the world and how it functions and how big a chasm there is between 
how you and I do relationship and how most people do like there are so many questions they're like no the way we we do it is always- <laughs> like like it it asks more it's like so we're the reason why we're like I don't know what to do it's like like need is we're in partnership like you and I are like what are you talking about this is what we do but we miss we miss so much of what she's talking about there's so much runway between what she's talking about and, and referring to and where we live that we're missing places to talk to, if yeah, that makes well, sense. I, I think, you know, you know, of course we're not like the conversation is, isn't to say like what's right, what's wrong with truth, what isn't. But what stands out to me is if some is someone having a desire and being afraid of naming it in the relationship, because yeah, like being afraid of actually putting it out there, right? Or being afraid of naming fears, naming like I kind of feel like hooking up with someone else, or I kind of feel like traveling, or I'm scared that we're not going to be able to make this work. Like all these things that just aren't named. Um, what I, and what I loved about what you guys said is just kind of speaking into the possibility of what can be co-created and like holding that, like allowing whatever to emerge and working any, together. Any relationship that can't withstand the truth of what's so like, just by the way, I never ended up traveling because I had the per- I had given myself and he and he had sp- there was space for me to have it so when I had it and when I was able to speak it and actually feel it and have the whole entire thing I was like oh that's not actually the case there's a way like what I got to feel was the next thing was which was oh I just there's a way in which I'm actually stepping up in life and I'm struggling with my own wanting to just run away rather than like step like there's a way in which i was like confronted by like the next place i needed to step into imagine if we had made it about he and i like her desire to travel was because she couldn't stand being around me or something. and he was like i don't want you to and then it would have been about he and i as opposed to what it really was which was just something that was like but if he didn't there was nothing for him to push up against like he, he there was so any relationship that can't withstand the truth of what's so and i don't know what the, what the what so changes from day to day it's not it's not the truth the truth is that he and i love each other but it's like if i'm a tr- last night i went out <laughs> it was the most random thing last night he and I went to the freaking like drugstore and some woman was talking to me and she's like hold on and she wrote and she gave me this thing in front of him and I and he was like you just got picked up in front of me <laughs> and I was like you're right I just got picked up and, all right whatever like if huh. I imagine if there's a thing like oh my god it's not like it, anything that just can't withstand what's so is not you're not actually in a relationship you're in some sort of mutual agreed upon prison of ideas of one another. Like you're not actually two people in relationship. I, I, I don't know what that is. I just know that I personally, personally, I did that. Don't ever want to do that again. Would rather be freely myself, wholly myself, totally fully myself and be loved and seen and met there and be in partnership with someone. I'd rather do that if not, I'll be alone. And I don't care. That's perfectly okay with me. So I hear you. That's why I'm like, when we talk about these things, I'm like, I could hear how it sounds so different when most people are like, but if I do that, then then the threat and then this and that, and then I'm just like, oh my God, that's such a pretzel. It's such a pretzel. I can't. If we have space, I have one more thing to say on this, on this same topic. So I'm starting to have this feeling that there's this hard line in the sand 
in in people's relationships where on one side of it, it's like like i i really am trying to get get my needs met here like is this the person i'm not sure like i like there's so many things i like about this person there's so many ways that they disappoint me and you know like i i'm i'm i i i'm in i'm committed but i'm also like energetically on the fence like there's kind of a back door and i'm like indecisive like i'm trying to figure it out so there's a line in the sand on the other side of which is what I would call partnership, where it's like, you're the person that I've chosen to do life with. I've chosen you to be the person that I do life with. Um, I have my ideas about what how I what I'd like our life to look like. You have your ideas, but fundamentally, why like we're in partnership. So when you get to that place where you're in partnership with someone, to hide parts of yourself is manipulative. So I, you know, there are times when I'm talking to someone and like this, this, this marriage has been going for decades and he's got secrets from her that he knows if he told her would destroy the marriage, but their, their, their life is stable. It's good, you know, but that's not the kind of relationship, like it's a, it's a stable relationship, but I don't think of it as a partnership. It's not even a marriage. You're not even like really, a, you're not, you're, you're married to an idea. You're not actually married. You're like, there, it's not a relationship. So there has to be some point at which the facade comes down and you just start being honest with your partner about who you are, what you want, what's important to you, what hurts, what makes you angry, you know, and you're no longer conf like trying to manage their feelings by, by, selectively hiding parts of yourself that's not that's not partnership the way i think of it and so once you get into that territory it's risky but that's the only way to get to the kind of relationship that i think all of us hunger for is to is to take that risk is to be no that's what intimacy is we've we've risked our relationship over and over and over again multiple times like i i i'm going to say something that could end this relationship We've done it multiple times, but it's the only way to get to the place that we both want to get to. I mean, can you imagine if I were to like, if you're, you're telling me that like, you know, if I'm, if I, that, that I'm never going to find another person attractive, he's never going to find another person attractive. I'm never going to walk inside the house there. You know how often I go, not often enough, but like I wake up, I'm a woman and the weather emotionally and psychologically changes. So every once in a while, I'm like, I don't, I don't even like you. I don't even know why I'm with you. And that's gotta be okay. Like the relationship is solid enough to be able to say all of those things and not have it risk the very foundation of who he and I are. <laughs> Thank you so much to both of you for just sharing your time and, and your hearts on here. Our pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Do you guys, yeah, do you guys have information about this program that you guys are offering? Yes, we yeah. do. Share with my audience, because I know so many people could hugely benefit. You can go on to my website, which is myrightness.com, and you could look at, there's, um, we do a monthly subscription uh, it's like a membership thing where we do group, two conversations, group coaching calls, and we also have office hours. It's awesome. You get to be with other couples and even other single people who are like looking to get their relationship skills uh, worked in a way that uh, for their next relationship. Um, it's just fun. Yeah, the conversations are really rich. And even like couples, when they miss when they miss a call, they'll listen to the recording of just because the conversation is so rich. Yeah. And it's called Sovereignty and Connection. So you can find that on my website, which is myrightness.com. 
Hey you, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And it would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.